than bubble. I'm, I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Put it on the poll at Lebitard Show. When you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing you think of bursting. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Callie here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. We have a packed episode today. First, we have a Mikey P from the On the, on the Mic podcast talk about all things UFC. Our fantasy football expert Shane at Fancy BYB joins us for a Fancy Football Friday where we cover the AFC West. Kyler and I talk about OU and Texas possible new home, NFL COVID rules, and the biggest news, the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. Remember to stay plugged in our social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all these great places where you can check out all of our funny tweets, all of our polls, everything we do, our great videos, recaps of our totem polls. We appreciate all of the feedback we get on social media. Uh, we're available everywhere you get your podcast, even on your Alexa devices. If you're bored at home, just say, Alexa, play Burst Your Bubble podcast. Remember to rate, review, share us with your friends, share us with your family, share us with your neighbor, share us with the barista at Starbucks, the cashier through the drive through window at McDonald's, wherever you're going, the guy at Chipotle, Tell everyone about Berkshire Bubble. Ask them if they're listening to it. We appreciate all of our, our guys and ladies out there. We enjoy you listening, but remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyler, the city of Milwaukee has been tormented and tormented and tormented. Do until see- Go ahead. Until what? Until. Yeah, until Giannis. Until Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton bring home a championship. Did you see how many people were outside? What was the number? 65,000? Josh, after the game, it was over 150,000 people were outside. And that's insane. But I I think that the most impressive – I think the most impressive thing that's come from this, obviously we saw the the live stream from Giannis Antetokounmpo at Chick-fil-A getting the 50, but that was early yesterday morning after a full night of celebrating and he's driving around at Chick-fil-A's. Like, you know he didn't go to sleep. Oh, in the video you can hear, you can hear his wife say you haven't slept. I mean, and you all, and he I probably also, still hasn't slept. I also learned that, I mean, I'm not going to assume it's his wife, but whoever was driving that vehicle is pregnant. Oh, I think it is his girlfriend. I think is what my Twitter research skills uh, gave me. So that'd be their second kid, right? I don't know. Don't care either. But Giannis so is, so is he going to get Chick-fil-A for life? Yeah, he even said that in the uh, when he was in the drive-thru. He's like, He's like, oh, free promo. He turned the camera on. He's like, hey, before he turned to the girl, he's like, hey, do you mind if I put you on camera? And she's like, yeah, I guess. He's like, there's 150,000 people watching you. She's like, oh. <laughs> that was yeah, well, he great. tweeted it too. He tweeted and said, uh, because the MVP, MVP stat, well, no, so this came afterward. MVP okay. stat talked about how 47 posts uh, about, uh, his Chick-fil-A adventure and it the net uh, revenue was like $283,000 for Chick-fil-A. I mean, I don't blame Josh. Have you got Chick-fil-A, man? I miss it. Being down here in the, in the sticks for, for the summer, man, I miss some Chick-fil-A. It's the Lord's Chicken. It is Lord's Chicken. They should, they, they should hire some atheists to work on Sundays. 
Oh, I think that would go against the business principle, but we can get to the actual, uh, the actual basketball game. So what were your thoughts? It was Giannis all the way, 50, 50 points. He shot 17 for nine, 19 from the free throw line, which is, I mean, uh, just outstanding, to be honest. It's unspeakable. It's unheard of from a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has been hunted and hunted throughout the playoffs to seek him, get him to the line, try and make him, try to make the worst free throw shooters, make the free throws with the crowd chanting, with the pressure, and he did it over and over again to the point the Suns stopped even fouling him. But I think this game, this series even changed when Dario Sarge went down. When the uh, Suns had to really start playing a small ball, really they the, all they had was Crowder and Aiton. It was pretty – the Bucks were able to go big and completely dominate. And even when they went small to match, they they were pretty much even. So it was a fun matchup throughout the – especially throughout the past three games – but game four, I mean, it was pretty obvious that, I mean, Giannis was on a tear. Giannis was not going to be denied. No, Giannis was not going to be denied. And that, and that was exactly what we saw over and over, just complete dominance. And, you know, there were so many question marks about the free throws, and he answered that easily. At one point, he was 16 for 17 from the free throw line. I put that on Twitter. Can we stop with the Shaq comparisons because Shaq's not making – 16 free throws I should have said 16 out of 17 free throws because that would have never happened uh, the most you know Shaq 39 free throw attempts in a game in a playoff game but uh no Giannis Antetokounmpo is an absolute stud and one of my favorite tweets I put out during this the the closeout game was the Batman and Robin dancing you know and him and Chris Middleton are closing this game out like this because Chris Middleton hits one of those Patented Kyler loves them step back threes, and it, you just knew that they had this game in hand. I mean, Josh, like I said, he hasn't missed one of those in a very, very long time. And it, I, I told you he hasn't missed a clutch one this series. Game two wasn't close, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be considered clutch. Probably the last one since the Atlanta series. Yeah, no, I mean that's right. Whenever the whenever these games are closer, it's matter or moments that matter. The Bucks have stepped up every time. You know, we saw it against the Nets, and then we saw it here against the Suns. So, you know, I I think that they did exactly what they needed to do. Drew Holiday came out, played well. You know, whenever you and I talked about the key to the series, it was how well uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez were going to play. And they step up to the challenge, and they, you know, they answered the call. And then you've got uh, Bobby Portis, who is now the hero of Milwaukee somehow over Giannis. You know, everyone loves Bobby Portis. And also, Josh, so uh, how much more do you have on the NBA? How much what? How much more do you have on this game? Uh, I mean, I've got a little bit on Chris Paul. You know, it's just it's Hardly. tough for him to see it in the way it did. You know, like I said uh, in the last episode, you know, you can't put – this shouldn't taint Chris Paul's legacy for losing in the finals. It should be lifted up a little bit by taking this team and helping them to the finals and – and winning two games early. I mean, this is a young team that's going to continue to build. Chris Paul is going to find a home somewhere, whether or not he stays in Phoenix. And and so it, you just have to wish the best for Chris Paul, though it was a very unfortunate ending. Guys like Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, it's their first playoffs, and they made it to the finals. Those The future is so bright for this Phoenix Suns team. I agree with you. And Drew Holiday, four for 19. He got bailed out, Josh. He was bailed out. But – NBA champion, nonetheless. 
And uh, speaking of, um, so Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, I mean, not Drew Holiday, um, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, and, and Giannis, maybe Drew Holiday too, are all flying to Tokyo right now to join their respective national teams to play in the Olympics. And uh, how much of a bolt or, you know, a bolt of energy do you think that will give this, this USA team? Kevin Durant's been coming, coming to late. And so has uh, uh, Jason Tatum recently. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you saw it today, Kyle, our Team USA is – there's a lot of infighting going on. KD, Bam out of Bayou, you know, I mean, what are we doing out here? We're just causing beefs. You know, Kevin Durant's just getting in his feels on Twitter again. Oh, man, it's these, it's these young kids need to respect their elders, man. Kip, it, I mean, Josh, Josh, if you make a three, do you get your all back? You do, but then you don't take to Twitter after – and you don't take to Twitter after just because somebody mentioned you in something. You don't have to respond to everything, Kevin. We but, know that you're but, a good basketball okay, player. Okay. You don't have to respond. But but they didn't have to mention him. So so why are you getting at yeah. him? So why are you getting at him for for replying at them for mentioning him? Because he's the one playing for Team USA. The person who mentioned him is not. They're sitting on their couch. The the, the key the key word there is person. Because they are a person. No, Kevin Durant. He's a person. Yeah, he's also a person playing on the Olympic team. Doesn't matter. He is a he Doesn't is matter. in the limelight. You don't have to respond to Doesn't everything. Matter. He's a person. He and he he has the same emotions. He puts he puts his shoes on the same way you and I do. His are just a little bit longer. They're quite he, a bit longer. And he it's, probably has you know, people who put them on for him. But either I'm way, I'm just a. Uh, I guess I'm just an old fashioned guy that thinks you know you care you take care of that stuff in house even if you got to take him to the locker room and. You know, show them what's what. You know, you got to handle that, you know, not on social media. So, I guess my mindset is just a little bit different than Kevin. It, it is a different But, but overall, Team USA is going to get a huge, huge boost of energy from guys like Devin Booker, Chris Middleton. Uh, I mean, just especially, you know, anyone on the Bucks right now coming to join this team. So much hype, so much enthusiasm. Devin Booker's got something to prove still, you know, the fact that he just lost the final. So, you're going to get a lot out of these guys. And I think that Team USA will start to turn it around and, and they'll start winning, winning. Okay. Are you predicting a gold, a gold medal? I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for USA to win a gold. I, I can't root against. Are you predicting it? against this. Yeah, I'm not going yeah, to go against USA. All right, so speaking of the Olympics, that's what we got coming up. Um, the Olympics are going to be super exciting. They kick off this Friday, right, Josh? Uh, they do when you're listening to this when you're listening to this episode the olympics will be they'll be lighting the olympic torch but josh before we talk about fantasy football and all things the afc west with shane why don't you give the listeners a little bit of an advertisement yeah remember to check us out on social media we're on twitter facebook instagram tiktok youtube uh, our Twitter hand, Twitter handles at sports BYBP for the pod. Kyler is at Kyler 12 I'm at jkeatno 22 uh, Go follow Blue Wire Pods. It's a great network over there with Kevin Jones, Megan Reyes, Ty, Emma, the whole crew, King Griffey Jr., the Spencers. I mean, there's a ton of huge podcasts coming up with Blue Wire. Uh, they've put out a couple of viral videos and tweets uh, since the NBA playoffs have really kicked on, especially through the finals the past couple of days. Uh, great things going on. They uh, were the ones that posted the 
Giannis live stream to Twitter that's got like a million views. So definitely go follow Blue Wire Pods. They got the huge uh, uh, contract partnership with the Wind Casino in Las Vegas. They have a studio, huge partnership with Coors Light. So, I mean, huge things going on at Blue Wire. Go follow Blue Wire Hustle. It's the up and coming network of podcasters that we are a part of with the Blue Wire family. Go check out Unwrapped Sports. Um, it is a great family that we have over there full of live streams. We've had some great debates today in our uh, uh, in the WhatsApp group. So definitely go check them out. They do a, I think they're about to start breaking down uh, NFL and, and all things baseball. So good to give them a check. And then obviously go follow at Fantasy BYB. And that is Shane, our fantasy football expert. Everything that you need for fantasy football, go give him a follow. The episode, uh, or let's get to this interview. Uh, and, and then stick around after that interview for a, uh, a sit-down with myself and Mikey P. We, we talk a deep-dive UFC. Josh makes a cameo for about five or ten minutes. So make sure you stick around for that. It's a really interesting conversation, really fun. So uh, appreciate you guys a lot. Uh, and remember, Josh, what's, what, what do we say? Listen, but no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Well, today we are graced with the presence of our expert in fantasy football at Fantasy BYB, Shane. Shane, how's it going, bud? Man, it's going good. Just got done playing uh, nine holes in men's league. Uh, Shot 15 over on nine holes. It was the worst I've played in about uh, four months, probably, so that's yeah, what wow. taking a couple of weeks off will do yeah, as long as you had fun drink beer it's all that matters uh, did you did you have fun shooting 15 over through nine to be honest i did i talked a lot of shit for a guy that shot 15 over on nine well some I, things I, never change yeah hey man you pipe one drive and you get all your swagger back <laughs> i'm in about an eight foot putt so i doubled the first two i went double double to start and then I made about a 15-foot putt to save par. And uh, it, that's all. It was. I was like, oh, I'm four over through three. What's the big deal? I'm golfing now. And then it went back to, you know, but. Yeah, the years. The years. Well, well, hopefully you're a little bit better on your rankings than you are in the, in the golf game right now. So, uh, obviously, we brought you on. Fantasy Football Fridays are back. We're excited to have Shane back on to talk some football and this week, we are going to cover the AFC West. And, uh, you know, I chose this for a special reason. Uh, I know that Shane loves this division. This is one of his favorites. Uh, Shane, go ahead and tell us why. Yeah, man. Huge Chargers fan. Been a huge fan ever since uh, 2003. Watching Danny and Tomlinson kind of first go off. I was just getting into watching football. Uh, and, yeah, I've been a Chargers fan for a long time. I'm really excited to see what Brandon Staley does. First year head coach coming off of a uh, rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. Uh, we got a pretty good team. So uh, I'm excited to see. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, steal one of those uh, wild card spots. I will say it's not very often that I meet a Chargers fan. I feel like those are very far and few between in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know three. No, no, I know two. So three, including myself. Yeah, so. Three more than me. So let's uh let's I have an idea that um just kind of to to recap all the teams in the division who don't know that are in the division it's the Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. And I'm gonna list their their Vegas win total, and you guys are gonna tell me whether you think it's gonna be over or under. So starting off with the Raiders, seven wins. 
Uh, man, the sole seventeen game schedule makes it tough. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go. So wait, so uh, before you answer, so the seventeen game schedule, they play how many games? Sixteen, right? Well, it's an eighteen week schedule gotcha. now gotcha. with seventeen, 17 games. games. So they added schedule. that extra game. Fuck yeah! Yeah, so I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, now, no worries. I'm actually, I'll, uh, I'll like still that. go under though. I think it's a really bad team. I think the Raiders are not good. I'm gonna actually take the. I'm gonna take the over. I, I, I would probably take uh, eight games, maybe seven. I think they might push that you know they weren't I think I feel like they had a pretty decent record last year didn't they like it wasn't god awful and you've got another year with Josh Jacobs Derek Carr you know learning what's going on over there so I, I've got a little bit of faith that they can that they can figure it out for a few games well you've got another year of Josh Jacobs for sure uh, I, I like I like seven eight eight wins for them sure and then uh, uh, probably not though so Broncos Broncos Drew Locke in the Mile High City, nine wins. They also brought in Tennessee's water, so keep that in mind. What What's the win total over under at? Uh, nine wins. Nine wins. Yep. Um, man, that hasn't going nine and eight. It, it's not nine and a half. I can't get a half because honestly, I think it's going to be a push. I think they're going to go nine and eight. Nine and eight. Okay. I like that. I like that. Josh? I think I'm going to flip that. I think I think they're going to go eight and nine. I think that the, that quarterback situation is just going to end up being not good for the Broncos. What I do love about the Broncos and the reason that they could go nine and eight is because their defense is pretty good. And, uh, and they've got Melvin Gordon running it. I mean, not Melvin Gordon. I'm sorry. Uh, they've got uh, yeah, Melvin Gordon. Javonta Williams. Yeah. Hey, yeah, so. we'll see. It could be. but I mean, it, it'll probably be both. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think they, Shane's probably right. It could be a push or it could be going eight and nine. Yeah. And Shane was talking about it before we started the broadcast about how good this Broncos defense was, how good Noah Font's going to be this com- upcoming season, and uh, Javante Williams, how much of an impact he's going to have. So uh, good call by there. I think uh, I'm, uh, you've, con- you've convinced me they're, g- they're going to hit nine wins. They're going to at least win your money back. Chargers. Nine and a half wins. I'm going over. Over. I want to. I kind of want to throw my mortgage on that bet. So I mean, you got you got yeah. Justin Herbert. The hype is real. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams. Yeah, there's just I, Brandon Staley's just going to do great. I really do feel like he's one of the best, uh, like first year coaching prospects to come out in a while. He had that number one defense with the Rams. Yeah, they had Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. I get that. But, uh, I mean, this dude succeeded at every level. He gets a guy coming off rookie of the year. That O-line is completely built out now. For the first time in years, we ought to see a good offensive line. Now, they need to stay healthy. That's usually the biggest concern with them. But, uh, you know, they – They've got a ton of weapons on both sides of the ball. So, I think with getting Derwin James back a full season healthy, year two Justin Herbert, I think uh, I think they're going to get a wild card spot. I like it. I like it. So, let's move on to the – Josh, you got anything else? 
No, I love the Chargers. I uh, I'm I'm really big on them this year. Th- this is also a young team on the defensive side too. So I mean, this team, it's not just a one-sided with Justin Herbert having to throw the ball around. This this team gets positive game scripts. Their defense keeps them in it. It's a it's a solid overall team. And I think that's what gives them the benefit over a team like the Broncos, where I think the Broncos benefit more on the defensive side of the ball than putting all their trust in Drew Bro- Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they do have guys dirt. Let's I mean, don't get me wrong. The Broncos offense, they have weapons, you know, you, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. I mean, all these guys, Javante Williams. I mean, those guys are really good, but you know, let's not forget about the most important position in the NFL and that is quarterback. And when you have a guy like Justin Herbert, he pushes you over the top. And, and I think that that's what helps this Chargers team be a better overall team than the Broncos. That's right. That's right. Richard. Yeah, it, it really is scary, though, just how good that Broncos defense is. Yeah. Yeah, we saw, you know, back when the Ravens won their championship. You know, if you have a really good defense and a mediocre quarterback like Joe Flacco, I mean, I mean, an elite quarterback like Joe Flacco, uh, you could, you know, put Drew Locke in that same kind of category. You know, things can happen. Okay. Smart. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be run first. I think, uh, I mean, that's pretty much their script that they always do. I just think when you get, I mean, that secondary is legitimately the most filthy secondary in football. Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, like, was an absolute stud at corner for him. Uh, they've got Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and then you add Patrick Sertan, who I thought was, like, steal cool. the draft. So, I mean, and then you've got Chubb and Vaughn Miller on each side. Vaughn ought to be back and healthy this year. I just think all around, I don't see how you're going to throw the ball against them. So it ought to be a lot of low-scoring games. Really, like I was telling Kyler earlier, like I think they just need to be able to set up the play-action passing game. If they can run the ball well with Melvin Gordon and Javante and then run play-action off of it, it'll help him a ton. The problem with Drew Locke is he throws it deep so much. Like, his average depth of target was number one in the NFL last year. So, him working with Peyton in the offseason, hopefully they dial that back some. But, I mean, the guy has arm strength. There's a reason he's chucking it down the field. And get, getting Cortland Sutton back, fan healthy all year, hopefully. It helps. Who knows? It helps. I mean, this team, you know, has a Give lot of – Give me the amazing. over for the Broncos. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it now. We've, we've talked ourselves into it. Right. He This also kind of reminds me of Cleveland, a, you know, a year ago with Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski. I mean, it's the same great concept. Call. Great with call. That, that great defense over there. They're building the same thing. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. And they start – so they start out Giants, Jaguars, Jets the first three weeks. I mean, that's getting hot in a hurry, whoever their starting QB is. I sure hope it's locked. Oh man, you! T- I feel bad for oh, Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence. Those guys are those guys are in for it. Yeah, gonna, no kidding. All right, let, it's Keller, what we got next? It's gonna be Bridgewater. But uh, next up, we got the Chiefs. So we've Ooh. got the the first in total yards last year, first in passing yards, third in passing touchdowns, sixth in points per game. They've been to the Super Bowl two straight years. They've got arguably the greatest player to ever touch a football ever at quarterback coming off, uh, hopefully a rested offseason. Hopefully he's fully healthy. They're set at 12 wins over under. I've got to take the over. 12 I mean, wins? 12 wins on a seven. That means five yeah, losses, that's... and I just can't see that. 
had a Josh. That, I, how many losses does Patrick Mahomes have in his career in no. the NFL? Does he have five losses total? I would say like him in games, I mean, that, in games that he's yeah, played, I, mean, he would, I would say no. Y'all go ahead and keep talking. That's what I'm saying. He has a Super Bowl loss and then maybe a couple throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule and I'm just – I'm having tr- – I mean – Bills, October 20th, that's going to be a tough game. But, again, the AFC West is playing the NFC East this year. So, it's Giants, Washington football team, Cowboys, and Eagles. So, yeah, I can't, I can't see the Chiefs dropping five games. I think that's, that's the, the safest bet of them all. Hey, Josh, so uh, Patrick Mahomes' career record is 38 and 8. Yeah, there's no way he loses five, almost doubles his loss total in a season. No way. They've done nothing but improve that team. Jesus. Patrick Mahomes, he's an animal. So uh, next up, uh, this is where y'all are going to take the lead. Y'all know a lot more about the positional players than I do. I'm kind of the host of this this whole podcast, so I just kind of want to keep things on the rails. I want y'all to – so what we're going to do here is uh, Shane is going to rank – Josh, you explain it. You explain it better. Okay, so what we're going to do now is, Shane, we're going to go down through the positions, quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and we can throw tight end in too uh, if we get there, but definitely quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and we're going to – Shane's going to list us off, uh, especially the top four, obviously, for quarterback and and some of that. So we're just going to hit on the highlights of – his top rankings and uh, and we'll kind of see what we agree on. And then after, you know, the top players, we'll throw in some uh, mid range, mid tiers, mid tier guys or some players that you might need to be targeting or watching for uh, in that, in that kind of atmosphere. So Shane, let's go ahead and get it kicked off. Of the entire, divi- of the entire division, to be clear. Sweet. Right. Yes. Of the division. Gotcha. Yep. Shane, whenever you're ready, let's go ahead and start with quarterback. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Uh, yeah, so ranking the four quarterbacks, obviously, it, you got to start with Mahomes. Um, former league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, all around, like Kyler said, most talented player to ever touch football. Um, that's pretty much easy, lock and loaded, number one. Number two, I think there could be an argument for Derek Carr, but I got to go with Justin Herbert. Uh, coming off Rookie of the Year. The guy can throw it 60 yards falling backwards. He's, I mean, he's just got a cannon. He came out looking great from, you know, week two whenever he first uh, got a chance to play on for the rest of the year. I mean, he just, he processes quick. He's athletic and he's got a cannon for an arm. So that's a pretty good mixture. And he's got great pieces around him. So all in all, he's a really good player for the NFL and for fantasy football. Um, And then from there, Derek Carr, I mean, 27 touchdowns to nine INTs last year. He takes care of the ball in general. He's not going to lose a game for you. He's kind of your classic game manager. He doesn't have the, you know, crazy arm strength. He also doesn't have the weapons that some of these other QBs have. Darren Waller is great, but aside from that, you know, there's just not a ton for him to really throw the ball down the field to. So, uh, you know, hopefully we see more from rugs and whatnot, but sticking with quarterback, got to go there. And then from there, I'm going to put Drew Locke above Teddy Bridgewater. I think he'll win the job. He's got more talent uh, and I think more potential. 
But, uh, you know, Teddy has more experience and he could come in and win that job and just be what kind of they want, which is just get the ball to the playmakers. So uh, I'm going to go with Drew Lockett for them. So I completely agree with the rankings here. And I think that this is actually one of the rare instances where a division has the same rankings for redraft and for dynasty. I think it's the exact same for both. But did you, uh, who did you have to? Herbert. Justin okay. Herbert. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. We're, we're all in agreement. So running backs. Yeah. On to RBs. Um, <clears throat> I think the best running back in the entire division is probably uh, Josh Jacobs for the time being. Um, Austin Eckler is a really good receiving back. I don't know that he'll be the early down back for fantasy football. I would go with Eckler first. But uh, for the sake of actual NFL football, I think uh, Jacobs is still the guy. And I think for fantasy football, he's honestly a steal. I've seen him go in the fourth round in redraft. He's going late third. I think he's – I mean, if you can get him in the third round, why would you not take him? Uh, you know, he's he's gone over a 1,000 yards. Uh, he, he's going to get the early down work. We haven't seen him get a ton of passing work. They brought in Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is not better than Josh Jacobs. I mean, this guy was a stud at Bama. They drafted him in the first round. Uh, I, I think he'll he'll get the workload out of the gate. Um, from there, basically him and Eckler, though, are the 1A and 1B for me that kind of stand above the rest. I think uh, Melvin Gordon's best days are behind him, so I'd have to go with Javante. I've talked about him on the last podcast. The guy is an exceptional running back. We've seen running backs come into the league and take it, you know, by storm. Uh, I think by year two, he's going to be an absolute beast. So he w- he should be slow to start the year because Melvin Gordon's going to be, you know, cutting into that workload. But, uh, you know, should we see good things coming out of camp? I would definitely adjust and I would put Javante, although, I mean, he could end up being a second or third round running back by the time the league, or second or third round uh, pick in general for uh, redraft leagues if, you know, he wins this job in camp, which I think he's more than capable of doing. Um, CEH honestly scares me. Uh, He's going way too high in redraft for me. I would not be spending a second round pick on him. Uh, There's just – there's too many question marks for me. Uh, yeah, he could get the passing work. He's in an amazing offense. I don't know that he's going to be the goal line back. They used Darrell Williams a bunch in their postseason run, uh, you know, especially in the Super Bowl. CEH didn't get a ton of work. I know he was hampered by some nagging injuries, but, uh, you know, that that's pretty much how I'd shake it out for the division. All right. Wide receiver? Uh, we're not – I mean, we're not too far apart. I, th- I think that we're, oh, yeah, we're pretty similar. I think that uh, – Oh, sorry. What'd you say, Keller? No, I was gonna say I've, I'm, I've got the same stuff. So I'm, I pretty much do. I just think that I have a bigger uh, difference in Austin Eckler and Josh Jacobs. I think that I wouldn't mind spending uh, in a 12-team league. I wouldn't mind spending 10 through 12, my 10th to the 12th pick on Austin Eckler, and I wouldn't do that for Josh Jacobs. Um, I would spend a second round pick an early second on Josh Jacobs, uh, but I wouldn't spend a first round pick on Josh Jacobs in a 12 team league where I would on Eckler. So uh, they're not too far apart. I mean, probably 
four spots, five spots maybe in the rankings, but I do have Eckler over Josh Jacobs simply because I've seen him already be a pass catching running back and he can, he can handle the early down. He might not get it every game, but he can handle it where Josh Jacobs isn't going to get as much of the passing work because of Kenyon Drake being in there. Kenyon Drake's not better than Josh Jacobs, but he will eat away some of those pass catching attempts. And especially most people, if you're not playing PPR, then you might as well not be playing fantasy football. And so <laughs> those PPR leagues, Kenyon Drake is going to steal some value away from Josh Jacobs for me. Same thing with the kickers. If you're, if you're fantasy league doesn't have a kicker, then like uh, you're not playing, like they're playing fucking football. Like they have kickers, so why doesn't your fantasy team have, have a kicker? It makes oh, Kyler, we can't. Shane hates kickers. I, I okay. Well, nice meeting Shane. See you later, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, man, it, everyone set their opinion. Honestly, I'm in more leagues with kickers than not because people like them. It's just too much randomness for me. I, pre- I, I prefer. That's the game. You know, agreed. Agreed. It, it helps. See, but that's the see, players, my, my... So I get it. And my argument, my argument against that is get a kicker on a high-powered offense. You know they're going to have scoring opportunities. Go get your boy, Justin Tucker, every year. He's automatic. Yeah, but Until, how, many, you know, how many does that really help, though? Because the best offenses aren't kicking a ton of field goals. In my experience on kickers, I want, like, rookie and second-year QBs that coaches don't trust. Like McManus, that game he had like 18 points. He was like, shout out to all my owners that had faith. It was like 2.3% started him. But it was all field goals from like 50-plus yards, and they scored 18 points in the game, all field goals. So Okay, well, here, here's I, another scenario. What if you're Matt LaFleur and you have the MVP of the league? You still kick field goals. Uh, yeah, no, that's tough. You, that's, if you're playing DS, DFS with kickers, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, oh, we yeah. could go all day on kickers, uh, but to finish out those the rankings of the the running backs here, uh, I have one uh, more thing to say about Edwards Lair. I think he, I think you're just a little bit underestimate. I don't want to say underestimating him. I think you're underestimating the season he could have this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, there it's an incredible offense. If if he's able to like be good at the goal line. Uh, I, I think that'll make all the difference. But the Mahomes don't check down. So unless they're running sure. screens to him instead of screens to Kelsey, uh, maybe. But they run a lot of that underneath stuff uh, and a lot of tap passes and things like that. So, I mean, it'll depend on the week. But, you know, he did – there were there were games where he was getting 15, 20 carries. So if he gets that workload, who knows? I mean, I, I like CEH. I, I kind of feel like uh, 2021 – I probably have him – and there's no probably. I, I saw Eckler, Josh Jacobs, CEH, and then the split of Melvin and Javante. For 2021, for me, those two were pretty close. Obviously, if we're talking dynasty, Javante Williams shoots up and Gordon falls way down because I, I really feel like this is probably going to be his last year of relevance in fantasy football because I, I think that it'll take at least – it'll take too much of the season for them to completely cut him out of the offense and give Javante that much work because Melvin Gordon is still, you know, a quality running back to have in the NFL. So if we're talking redraft, you know, I probably have those guys spawn around 33, 34. Uh, And I mean, they're not one or two spots apart because I, I just think that 
it'll split halfway through the season. Javante will jump up over Melvin where Melvin starts over Javante. But I do think that CEH with the pass catching work that he'll get and all the early down runs, I think that CEH will get more opportunity in the high volume offense just because game script as well. The Chiefs are always going to be ahead. So they're always, you know, they're looking to run the ball. Magic Mahomes is going to score points. They're going to run the ball. So CEH is going to be there. But to credit Shane's point, CEH is definitely not the goal line back in Kansas City. That is a fact. They tried it almost every week, and he got stopped almost every week. He would hit a wall. He's too small. He's not the goal line back. That was why they do give it to Darrell Williams. So he does get some touchdown, uh, some touchdowns eight away. I definitely agree with that. But I think he just gets the, – the workload and the opportunity is just there too much with no other real competition. So, uh, but Dynasty, I honestly, Dynasty, Javonta Williams bumps up a lot closer to CEH than, than what we're talking. If we're talking Dynasty, Javonta Williams, top top yeah, 20, way up. top 18. I mean, he's he can be that dude. Way up. Oh, but yeah, I don't have to he's going to be going way higher than that. He's going to be an RB1. The book it 2022. This dude's gonna be a RB one, no doubt. He's gonna be going top two, like top two, top three round to start up. I think get him while he's cheap because this is as cheap as he's gonna be for five years. Believe in him. Shane, question: How many leagues do you? How many of your dynasty leagues do you own, Javante Williams? So I was telling Kyler this right before you hopped on. Actually, today I acquired him in my sixth of six dynasty leagues. I own him in every single dynasty now. I almost quit fantasy well, fantasy football because of dynasty leagues. <laughs> I was like, this is just too much. Like, you get so many notifications. People are like, check your lineup. But like, it's fucking the middle of May. I'm like, why do I need to check my lineup? Like, this makes no sense. People trying to get some trades in, man. I get it. After the draft. Yeah, I you all. You got to uh, be got ready. Uh, yeah, whatever. Always trading. Always making the team better. Wide receivers. So, um, I've actually got two tiers of wide receivers and then a lower tier of all the rest of them. Uh, let me just let me hear yours first and then I'll tell you mine. Let me hear, let me hear okay. you like your rankings. Yeah. So, I think, uh, the Chargers actually have the best receivers. I think it's kind of a wide gap. Well, who's um, the best receiver? The and, best receiver is Tyree Kill, but I think Keenan Allen. Uh, and Mike Williams is a way better duo than anyone else has. Um, I, I think Mike Williams is going to – he's a late breakout. I'm, he's going into year five. He was drafted seventh overall by the Chargers. He so, it's, so it's a contract year for him. He's on his fifth-year option, yeah. So, but the OC, uh, Joe Lombardi, has said that he wants to get him the ball. He's going to be playing the X. Uh, so, he ought to be getting a lot of targets. So, uh I think with Hunter Henry out of the picture, he ought to be the goal line guy uh, or the red zone threat. Um, Keenan Allen's going to be more of the underneath stuff, but I think with, you know, Herbert chucking the ball deep, we'll see who ends up winning the uh, third wide receiver spot. If Guyton ends up holding on to it, uh, Tyron Johnson is a threat there. And then they've also got uh, Josh Palmer, who they just brought in from Clemson. So uh, they've got a mix of guys. I feel pretty good about them. I love Tyreek Hill, so that's I would go with the Chiefs second. Um, love Tyreek, but so, yeah, go ahead. So let's uh, look, 
Oh my God, I kicked my table. Let's look at this uh, from the fantasy side, and then we'll kind of dive into the teams a little bit uh, as we talk through the players. So let's hear your uh, positional rankings uh, through the division for fantasy rankings. Sorry, getting a little sidetracked. Yeah, so for fantasy football wide receiver rankings, Tyree Kill, number one by a wide margin. I think if you're playing in half-point leagues, anything with, like, big play bonuses or, uh, I mean, really any kind of bonus, I want Tyree Kill. Like, the dude's a beast. He can win you a week. Anytime the Chiefs are playing Monday night and you're going against Tyree Kill, it doesn't matter if you're up 50. You have the worst feeling in your stomach. And if you're down, it doesn't matter how far you're down. You're like, yeah, but I still got Tyree. Like, let's see what happens. So uh, I, I think he's just – he's an awesome guy to get. He's actually my number seventh player in fantasy rankings overall for redraft. Um, I I think he, he makes a ton of sense uh, to – to spend a first round pick on when you're talking about a first round pick, you don't want to miss. Like you just want a safe bet. And really you cannot go wrong with Tyreek. Like if he plays a full season, he's going to get 12 plus touchdowns well over a thousand yards. And yeah, I mean, he's not a lot of catches for him would be like 90 catches, but it's just because how deep routes he runs and how fast he is. So I've got nothing wrong with that workload. It's a little, yeah, he, he was a little boomer bust early on, but really, I don't. I think he's pretty consistent now. Which is crazy that the Kansas City Chiefs in a lot of drafts have the number six, the number nine, and then like the number fourteen uh, with ADPs with Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Ceh. So, and then I mean Patrick Mahomes, too, like, yeah. So all of those guys and easily in the first two rounds, which is just nuts. So I had yeah, sorry. Agreed. I had my first three. But it also makes sense at the same time, you know, because it's like, well, it's Kansas City Chiefs. It's like the best offense. Like, it's a historic offense. Everyone knows it is, and it's not – it's a dynasty that's well from over, you know. Yeah, and I had – so I had three guys in here that are like my first level of guys, especially like top-tier receivers in this division or in this conference. Yeah, in the division. That's Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, and you convinced me of Mike Williams. I put him up there. <laughs> now that second I tier, think I pushed a little hard. That second tier, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Mike Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, I'm sorry. Henry Ruggs. I mean, you want me to weigh in on that? Yeah. Or, man, I think Cortland Sutton coming back. I mean, I don't want to say it's just an ACL, but it's just an ACL. These days, I mean, take a year off, come back, and you're back. I mean, Cortland Sutton was killing it before he went out. He had a great year uh, in his sophomore season. So, I think coming back, I would still definitely take him over Mike Williams. There's just too much. I don't know. For Mike, I just have to – like, don't get me wrong. The upside play is there. You can get him in, like, the 14th round. Um, So, I love the value, but I would still take Sutton. And then I love Judy as a second-year breakout. Like, Judy's so talented. So, he'd be my number four uh, behind those guys. Uh, I, yeah, I just think I think that the they've got a good duo there in Denver. Um, no, neither of them are as good as Keenan Allen, but I would take both those guys over uh, Mike Williams. Yeah, when when I think of Mike Williams, you know, I'm kind of thinking in like the Michael Pittman, uh, maybe like a even like a rookie Jalen Waddle, you know, probably somewhere in that tier of guys. Devontae Parker, you, you know, just. Has Give a me chance. Pittman. 
Give yeah. me Pittman over all those dudes. Do you see uh, – oh, I'm pretty sure it was their GM, Chris Ballard, was on a podcast. I just saw a link to it. Someone sent it to me. Uh, but they said that they're going to uh, – Pittman's going to be the one. Like, he is the clear-cut number one receiver in that offense. Wow. So, just hearing that from them, I mean, you know, it's all coach yeah. speak this time of year. But I put out a – too cheap. I put out a PSA. I put out a PSA just the other day on TikTok. This is the season where coaches lie to us. They yeah. are just boosting their teams, making themselves feel better. You can't believe anything that's coming out of camp right now. It's it's all fake. They're just well, who's going to catch touchdowns for the Colts? I mean, seriously, they they brought in Wentz. I really, I mean, is Hines going to go for like twenty receiving touchdowns? Like maybe I don't know. He's pretty cheap too in a PPR, but. We're getting a little off subject, but man, yeah, I'm just so value. Yeah, Michael Pittman, and that's why I see him uh, down there with the Mike Williams because Mike Williams has a legit chance, you know, to have a fantastic year playing yep. beside Mike uh, Keenan Allen. But there's also a chance that Mike Williams continues to be Mike Williams. So, you know, True. I'm not putting too much draft stock into him, but he is one of those guys that is worth the late round flyer. Because if Herbert goes late round, like, like how many does Mike get? Yeah, I mean, seven, eight. Okay, so I, uh, I'm i pretty much in uh, in agreement with y'all. Obviously, Tarek, number one. Keenan Allen, number two. Uh, Sutton is going to have a fantastic year, but I am actually – I'm going to put Jerry Judy over Sutton. Uh, I, I really like the second-year Jerry Judy breakout. I, I just – can't get past that this is the best – he was the best route runner in his draft class. You know, everyone – all the hype is still on C.D. Lamb, but Jerry Judy was the best route runner in this class, and I think he's going to continue to show that. You know, we talk about Drew Locke working with Peyton Manning. This is another year for Jerry Judy to come in, learn an offense, hopefully have an established quarterback in Drew Locke that's taken a step. I, I feel really good about it. Obviously, Sutton gives an opportunity. I think it's going to – you're going to see kind of like the Julio Jones – uh, Calvin Ridley situation. Obviously, Corton Sutton is not as good as Julio, but you're going to see those number one corners get on Sutton where it'll give Jerry Judy a little bit more flexibility to get open whenever he's running his route. So I'm very high on Jerry Judy this year. Uh, a couple of guys that I know Shane likes as well that I'm pretty high on on the Broncos, uh, Tim Patrick. I love Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. I think that uh, both of those guys have a chance. Obviously, ton of mouths to feed in Denver. Uh, and what is typically a run first offense, but and, those are some guys that I love taking late round flyers. And on. that's what I was going to say too. That's uh, to my point, or uh, to the point I'm going to make now is I would even take Drew Locke. I, I don't think I would take him right now over uh, Herbert, but I mean, if, if things go right, Josh, if if everything plays out like you're talking about. That would be – if you're getting him now, you're getting him in the hopes of that, where if you're picking Justin Herbert right now, you know what you have in the quarterback. You've seen it from him. We have not seen – we've not seen Drew Locke do what Justin Herbert did his rookie year. He's surrounded – Yeah, by, I think – Go ahead. I think talent-wise, honestly, like God-given ability, they're honestly probably pretty close. But Herbert was like a valedictorian, like – four point something GPA like he's stupid smart that guy knows the playbook inside out and backwards whereas like Drew Locke didn't know which side of the ball he was handing the ball off sometimes you know Drew Locke so, has moxie 
Yeah, exactly. That oh yeah, gotta love that Moxie. You gotta love the coach speak. Uh he definitely does have that swagger. And it's like hopefully if Peyton Manning told him anything, it was learn the damn playbook. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. So I'm so Shane, do you have any other guys in this uh or wide receivers in this division that you would take a you know a late round flyer on other than a Mike Williams? Yeah, I think I mean we haven't mentioned any any uh Raiders receivers, and so it's gotta <laughs> be someone. Like Waller's the number one target, but obviously uh, well, he's tied in. I said Rugs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you brought up Rugs. I didn't bring him up at all, but like Rugs is definitely like for me. He he offers you that deep threat. I think in a best ball, he's definitely a good play because he'll have big weeks. What scares me about him is you never know when he's going to go off. Like that game that the Raiders torched the Chiefs and beat them by like twenty and put up forty points on them. Uh, you know, that's going to happen when you don't expect it. And I think Ruggs is going to break out uh, in that route. He just worries me as far as, like, consistency. And that's why I kind of shy away from players like that. But in Dynasty, I think you can go get Brian Edwards for basically free. He set a lot of records at South Carolina. Uh, and he was hurt a lot of last year. He's a big target. He's going to be more of, like, a consistent play. So, I think he could win that job. And I think he could be a pretty uh, – I think he's a guy you can get for basically nothing. Put him on that last bench spot, and if he doesn't do anything, then drop him, you know, no big deal. But I, I think he's worth an ad. All right. Anything else, boys? Brian Edwards. I like that. I like uh I like Brian Edwards. I'm I'm just not big on the on the Raiders offense. I and I'm a huge Heard. I'm a huge Henry Ruggs guy, but man, it's just tough. Honestly, I, you know, would they be better with Marcus Mariota? Yes. Or if Marcus Mariota so coached them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't Man, think – Man, it's just uh, something about them Oregon QBs. Yeah, just get John Some Green jerseys, you know, they're just looking good. Hey, I don't – it's something. But I do think – I mean, if you added Mariota's legs, like I know he just had that one Monday night game that they put him in uh, whenever Carr got hurt. But he balled out and – he still looks good, you know. He was a Heisman Trophy winner for a reason, and he's healthy. So, I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're paying him like $7 million, I want to say, on top of Carr getting like twenty two. So, and they, they let a lot of offensive linemen go and kept Mariota. So, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, especially in Dynasty, if you can go get Mariota off waivers, do it. Love it. So, Shane, before we get you out of here, I've got a couple more uh, team-focused questions, just to, just a couple more. Uh, so the first question I have is, how big of an impact will the Chargers see from losing Melvin Ingram? None. None. Honestly, I know that the Steelers fans are happy about it. He had zero sacks last year and was well below league average. Like, honestly, probably should not have even been on the field. He's like 31 or 32 now. Um yeah, I, I don't think the guy's good. Now, th that's – I kind of feel bad saying that as a Chargers fan because he's given us some great years and he's been really good. Uh, but his best years are far behind him. He had a – it was either an ACL. He had a lot of lower leg issues the year before last, and it still lingered into this year. Um, if he's fully healthy, maybe he has a resurgence. But really, he's put on weight. He's slow. He, he's He's not that good. 
Okay. Well, good to know. I know that all the, you know, obviously being a Ravens fan, I have to see all the Steelers Twitter. And so, all they, you know, all they've been doing is hyping up Melvin Ingram for the past three days. So it's good well, to man, know. honestly, with as many weapons on the Steelers, they might just not block Melvin Ingram and see if he can, you know, just not get to the quarterback anyways. But well, especially uh, if it's know. the Ravens, Lamar Jackson will just run around him in circles. Yeah, dude, honestly, I want to see what how much they're actually paying him because I don't know that he actually makes the roster. And if he does, like he I don't he's not gonna be on the field much. There's just too many other guys on yeah, that yeah. Steelers defense. And I mean with them running a three four, like yeah, they can run him at that outside linebacker, but I I don't know. Yeah. Shane, okay. man, uh, we sure last... appreciate you. Oh, you got a last question? No, I got one more I got one more team question. This is uh this is Probably the most important question I'm going to ask Shane on this podcast is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Oof. Like, if I was voting and I like having my Chargers background, like, absolutely. As a Chargers fan, everything that, you know, bleeds blue, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Now, legitimately, if I had to go on record and it was like, no, I mean, no, if he played for any other team, the answer is no. Yeah. I go with elite, like, I don't care how many more seasons Frank Gore plays, I'm not voting for him in the Hall of Fame either. Like, I would rather see Bo Jackson in and not someone that, like, I know the longevity thing is there, but I'm sorry, Philip, you never played in a Super Bowl. You were good, not great. He had several 20 interception years. Like, no. You know, everybody throws the ball away every once in a while, you know, a little, a little smoke in there or whatever. But, I mean, he it, it's, a, it's a fair question. No, sure, you know, because sure, I mean, sure. Eli Manning, Eli Manning has, like, like I want to say his completion percentage is like five percentage points lower. His touchdown to interception is worse. Like every stat is worse. But he won two Super Bowls. Like, so it's he like Tom Brady. Thousands Twice. less yards. Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. So less much. Yards. It's. I mean, it's the really resume nice. looks. The only thing on the resume is I beat Tom Brady twice. So, so that's my thing. Is that if, if uh, who are we talking about? Um, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. If he plays for any other team. Wins the Super Bowl, makes it to a deep playoff run. He's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Man, he was on a fourteen and two team whenever LT was in the prime of his life. Lorenzo Neal at fullback. We had Sean Merriman, Sean Phillips, Eric Weddle. Like that defense, everything. It was low. Antonio Gates in his prime. Vincent Jackson. There were so many weapons, and they still like did nothing. So. Don't get me wrong. Philip Rivers played on a torn ACL one of those years it, uh, in the AFC Championship against the Patriots, but it was like there were just too many losses to the Patriots, and like you can't say there weren't weapons on that yeah. Chargers team. Yeah. So I mean, you could I, look, you could look at four or five years ago when Melvin Gordon was a rookie. That team should have went. I mean, it obviously ended with Melvin Gordon, you know, getting hurt in the playoffs, which was super unfortunate. And you know, there's an argument to be made that they could have made a run, but I think that's the last real chance he had to make an opportunity at a at a deep run yeah and i mean that was lamar's first year when they went 12 and 4 lamar's first year in the league they beat him in that wild card round yeah. uh that first year they made playoffs so yeah i mean he's had a lot of good playoff wins beating the Bengals. trust me if it's if it's one thing i know of being a ravens fan it's losing in the first round of the playoffs so yeah we <laughs> we definitely lost Sorry to bring up sore subjects. There you go. Yeah, no, Shane, I, I buddy, appreciate that. thank you so much for joining us today, man. 
Uh, I always enjoy having you on. I learn always learn so much about fantasy football, about everything, about all the intricacies within the organizations. Can't wait to have you back on. Make sure you follow him at fantasy f or fantasy byb. Fantasy byb. Yep. Fantasy byb. Fantasy byb. Follow him there. And guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to it. I'll be back on for the Monday podcast, uh, yeah. filling in for Josh. And then hopefully next week we break down that AFC North. I think there's a lot to talk about there. We can get into the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, uh, the whole deal. So Might even step the I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're bringing back Fantasy Football Friday. Might even step All right, we'll see you guys. The, uh, TGIF. Degenerates Day. Joining us once again, friend of the program, host of On the Mic Pod with Mike Pendleton. Thank you once again for joining us, buddy. Uh, as you can you can tell, the listeners can't. Josh isn't quite here yet. Uh, he has he had a little bit of responsibility to take care of this morning. He's just getting out of the gym. He had a workout and he had a conference call he had to get on. Hopefully, he's going to join us at Zoom meeting a little bit later. First off, man, how you been? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me again. Sweet oh, man, always you're always welcome on on BYB. And if you ever listen to the first episode that Mike P came on, make sure you go back and listen to that because it's to this date my favorite episode that I've done uh, since I've started the podcast. And that, that's saying a lot of all the guests we've had on. But let's start with the reason you're here, and that's fighting. So all fight shows over the past few weeks have started the same way, discussing the trilogy, the leg break, whatever. I want to start this one differently with a fight that I've been looking forward to since the announcement. Probably more than any fight, like since the since the announcement of a fight, I've been looking more more forward to this fight than any other. Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, you know it's a great fight. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you for saying what you said about my last appearance. Oh, yeah. uh, I wasn't even I don't even know if I would say I was happy with it because I was still coming out of a hard time, and uh, I know coming out of uh, coming on your show kind of is what kick started me back into doing it. So I guess thank you to you. But, uh, yeah, man, Corey Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw, it's a great fight. It is a great fight. But uh, what are we getting? And, you know, I know you're, you're interviewing me and I'm the guest, but I want to ask you, why are you so excited about it? Because I could play devil's advocate a lot here. Uh, you know, TJ coming off a two-year ban. He's fighting a, a former teammate of his. Um, he's being extremely complimentary, which uh, you, you would like to believe that a PED suspension humbled TJ Dillashaw a little bit. Not to say he's Conor McGregor cocky but he's pretty close and uh, or I should say confident. And, um, you know, there, there's a few things there for me. The reach is there for Corey. The activity is there for Corey. The highlight real knockouts are there for Corey. I mean, no disrespect to either of these two guys, but TJ's latest and greatest wins were Cody Garbrandt. And we've seen time and time again, Cody still has to master himself in order to be the best version of himself. We've seen him bounce around Jim. So for me, and unfortunately, I hate to go back to two years ago, but you know what they say, you're only as good as your last fight. And uh, TJ got knocked out very quickly in his last fight. So I'm, I'm just curious from your end why you're so excited about it. Uh, I'm so excited about for, um, uh, that fight against uh, against Cejudo, that Dillashaw. I mean, he he almost died making that 125. It was, it was ridiculous for them to do that fight at 125. Uh, I'm so excited for it. I'm such a Corey Sanhagen fan. I mean, his interview they had on Rogan 
where he talked about, you know, the, the whole art of war and getting into that mindset the, the week of, and even in training sessions, even in sparring sessions in practice, he has to get into that mindset that, you know, I'm a warrior in here. And if, if I don't go and, you know, quote unquote, kill this guy, then he's going to do the same to me. And people like that, that really embrace that, that can really have that fighter's mentality. I, 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 I something in my like GN, DNA kind of, it kind of comes out. And I, I like seeing that. And it's interesting to see him going against the two time, former bantamweight champion tj dillashaw coming off a two-year layoff like you said and josh brought that up too how you know maybe a layoff could hurt him like the way it did connor yeah you know um i don't know if uh, the same and the same with the same i'm sorry to interrupt you but the same with the trash talk too like you said about tj you know and i and i told josh that i believe like connor tj's just trying to hype himself up to believe him like he used to be and that's not saying that he's not who he used to be but He's trying to, he's trying to tell himself he is. Yeah, no. And you know what, as much as I, you know, said what I just said about TJ, I'll say this, if anything was proven to me over the last, what are we in uh, July? So what, seven months um, of 2021, I do think it's not about what a fighter says. It's about their demeanor. If you go back and look at seven years ago, when Connor and Dustin faced off the first time, Connor knew exactly what he was doing, exactly what he was saying. And Dustin didn't, didn't. Dustin didn't know. Dustin overreacted. Dustin charged at him, right? And then we had the January, and they were all buddy-buddy and all that, and Connor's mindset simply wasn't there. And, uh, you know, excuse of a, of a stress fracture or not, that's another conversation for another day. You look at the way Dustin handled it, and, and there's always these key defining moments, right? And I think the key defining moment for Dustin, not to get off on a tangent here, is the point to Connor. Uh, you, you know, because there's very few moments in fighting where inside the cage, a story will be told for, for years to come. And Dustin's point in their second fight when he cracked Connor and then Connor turned into a meme and then the third fight happened. Dustin didn't need to talk shit. Dustin didn't need to engage in the press conference back and forth. The, the Joe Lee's wife chant. He didn't need to engage in any of that. Sure, they got a little testy when Connor threw his hot sauce off the table. Okay. But to, I say all that to say this. TJ's got a different demeanor right now. Again, is it is it he's humbled? Is it that, you know, I just wrote the story this morning uh, of his interview with Jimmy Smith on Sirius XM. So, he, he basically blatantly said, I thought I could get away with it. All right, man. Well, what does that say to, say, say to me about you? Say to me about the way you go about your career? Listen, he looked awful but at 125. Also, what does that say about the rest of the UFC roster if he thought he could get, he could get away with it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he said, you know, I'm a very smart guy. I've studied science in school. And, uh, you, you know, I thought five, six weeks out, they wouldn't test for it. And they did. And uh, it, I'll say this. He's accepted it. All the props in the world to somebody yeah. taking responsibility like that. But at the end of the day, is, he, is this just a show? Is this just TJ being like, let me play, you know, good guy right now. And then if he wins, is he going to go out and do some crazy stuff, right? Is he going to go out and call out everybody? Is, I, I, don't, I don't know because I know he had an interview at ESPN where he said he wants to stay active and he needs to stay active. He said he'll fight the Rob Fonts of the world. Okay. 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 If you, if you so, yeah, if you can't see my facial expression, that is a scary, scary fight right there. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's the, and, and, I think he's arguably the best 135er in the world, Rob Font. Welcome, Josh. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Rob Fonts, he's up there. I don't know if I'd call him the best right now. I do think the guy who will stand opposite uh, of TJ on Saturday has a case to be the best. Um, but before but before we, you know, crown the uncrowned champ is Dustin Poirier, like you should trademark that, um, you know, before Corey Sanhagen can be paid in full, since we're talking Dustin and Connor as well, we got to let this uh, rematch between Aljo and, and Jan play out. And, I, you know, unfortunately, I I think P- Peter Jan is very good. I do think this long layoff and the beef is something he's not accustomed to. And I also know it's not something that's going to rattle Aljamain Sterling. So right now, Bantamweight is super, super intriguing. Now, I, I have actually, I've gone on the limb and I've picked Aljo to upset Peter Jan, Peter Jan, second round triangle. He's going to catch him. He's going to submit him. He's going to retain the belt. Is, is, that, it, is, is it? Is that that big of an upset, though? Yeah. I, like that. Um, uh, like, like According to the first fight, it would be. Sure, but I think the striking stats were a lot closer than most people imagined that they would have been. And yeah, I think he was gassed. I, I, he, w- he was gassed, but because he, he continued to work yeah. for a takedown. I'll say this. That entire fight changes if Aljo lands one, two, certainly three takedowns. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I fully believe that. So, all right, so what do you do? Not every fight is your best fight. So, I mean – would you say Corey Sandhagen was going to come out and, and do what he's done since he pretty much just laid there and let Aljo take his back? Yeah. Like, neither. no, you, you, yeah. you wouldn't have imagined the, the spinning highlight knockout of Marlon Marais. And now he's fighting TJ Dillashaw. Like Corey Sandhagen has arrived and you know what? Aljo may be champion, but he may not have arrived yet. And I think that's a scary proposition for Pitor Jan. And uh, you know what? Right now we can speculate all day long about what the winner of this Saturday night gets. But uh, we got to let that rematch play out first. I think it's the title. It has to be the title, right? No, it's got to be. If if they're willing to go the Leon Edwards route, that's the problem. Bantamweight is so stacked with so many good fights, with so many deserving contenders, that Corey Sandhagen should do Leon Edwards and just wait around. Because Leon Edwards should wait around. I know Dana White wants him to fight Masvidal and all this. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Masvidal wants a bigger paycheck, a big name. UFC's not willing to give it to him. So, hey, why don't you fight that guy that you beat up? Because it's an easy sell for us, right? So, Leon doesn't need to buy into that. Leon needs to sit on the sidelines and wait for his well-deserved title shot. It's a rematch. You can sell it. Sure, give me Colby Covington, but Leon can wait. And I think the same thing has to be here with Corey Sandick and TJ Dillard. I don't even know if TJ gets a title shot if he wins. I think he needs a couple. He does. He does. Just the same way that Con- if Connor would have beaten Dustin, he would have gotten a title shot. Just because unfortunately, he's... Connor's or uh, TJ's not Connor, and unfortunately, TJ TJ's he's coming not, off. not, but he's there's a tier below. Right. There's two people in this world who can come off a, a suspension and get a title shot. One is Connor. The other is John Jones. That's it. That in, is, in my home. In it's, my it's humble com- opinion, that's yeah. Go ahead. Um, but no, in my humble opinion, those are the only two who can come off a PED suspension and get a title shot. Connor and John Jones. Well, Beating what, Corey Sandhagen is one thing, but but do it again. And and, yeah. and you know what? The ball's in TJ's court yeah. because unfortunately, we love when fighters talk, right? We yeah. love it. Love it. But we, what we shouldn't love is when we don't understand what these fighters are saying and the wall and the corner they put themselves in. TJ said 
I want to stay active. So if I have to wait around for the Bantamweight title rematch to happen, I'm going to keep fighting. Okay. All right. Well, now if I'm Dana White and I'm the UFC and you beat Corey Sandhagen, TJ, all right, who do you want to fight next? Because that's our rematch. That's our title fight. We're waiting for that title fight. Mm. So you want to fight again. That's what you said. So you just screwed yourself. You could call for a title shot all you want. You've already said you'll fight again. I think I think Mikey P hit it right on the head. There's only two guys that can come off a especially a PED suspension or any kind of layoff like that and, and get that title shot. And that is Connor or John Jones, just because the name that they have. Mikey P, sorry, I'm joining in late. I've uh, had good, a man. hectic morning. I'm uh, about to have to run into another uh, meeting for my day job, but I just wanted to pop in real quick, say I appreciate you. I love how active you've gotten since the first time that uh, you joined the show. You told us that you were going to be getting right back into it. So shout out to you. If you're not following Mikey P, go do that. Go shout, give him a shout out on all of his platforms. Mikey P, I love you, brother, and uh, I hope this interview, hope you all have a lot of fun. See ya. Thanks, man. Love you too. I appreciate that. So now that Josh has exited the Zoom, let's talk about the lightweight division. Um, so where do we go from here? So obviously Dustin, uh, Dustin and Charles are going to fight in December probably. Yep. Uh, Dustin Charles. So now I'm not going to make you make a prediction, but just in a hyperbolic world, who's, who's the champion in January? Dustin Poirier. Okay. The young, the young crown champion finally gets his due. Okay, and then what's next? What's I'll, next for? Uh, so what? What is the lead up, up until then, with all the rest of the contenders? Because you have guys like Benil Darius, you have guys like RDA, you have guys, of course, like Islam, who is just. So you have Islam and RDA. That's what you got. Justin Gaethje, you got Michael, Michael Chandler. You got Gaethje, Michael Chandler, and I really don't know who's Dan there Hooker. for. Dan, maybe Dan Hooker for Benil Darius, but should he have to take a fight? I, I actually saw Dan, uh, Dana was targeting Islam and uh, Benil. Makes sense, but uh, it makes Ali sense. Abdelaziz, yeah, Ali Abdelaziz just came out last night to MMA Junkie and MMA Fighting and said that the UFC wanted Islam, I think, back in action in September or October. And, uh, I might be getting the dates wrong, but I think it might have been September and they want the RDA fight. And Ali said, that's the fight. We'll, we'll, we'll make that fight. But RDA is on Islam's time now. So we'll, he'll get the fight when we say he gets the fight. So I don't know. Does RDA want to wait? Does Islam want to wait? Um, I'll throw out a crazy one. I don't think it happens at 55. But uh, if, if the man wanted to drop back down from 70 – I'd be open to a Nate Diaz, Benil Dariush. He's not. He's not going to seventy. I no, no. I'm saying if, if Nate wanted to drop down to fifty five again, oh, I'm sorry. He's he not going to make it. I don't think he he's can going make. To. He could. I don't think he will either. But you got to look right now. What are the options for Nate? Uh, the Jorge fight. Sure, which I don't think the UFC is ready to make. You you can make it. You can make it when one of them is coming off of a win. Or two that, wins. I, I, I disagree with that. I think you can make that fight anytime you want to sell some, a million pay-per-views. So it's a co-main event five-rounder? Yep. Put, put, it on the, put it on the car with the title fight. It sells over a million. It, it, it better be a big car. It better be a big title fight. I'm just saying that, like, that's the options, though, right? Because yeah. um, I, right. I think a good test for Benil would be an RDA. And that would mean Islam and Dan Hooker. 
or, or Daniil and Dan Hooker. Like Dan Hooker deserves to, to be in this conversation as well. But the problem is, is what do you do with Benil Dariush? The dark horse in all this is Kevin Lee. And it seems like he's been the dark horse for about five years now because he just gets his random losses, the most tragic losses in the worst opportune times, especially that one against uh, Tony Ferguson, where he just got caught in that ridiculous try or that uh, guillotine that uh, just such a rookie move late in the fight. A couple things go differently for him, and he's the champion right now. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I think Kevin's said he's dead set on, on staying at 170 for now. Really? He's got a banger. He's got a banger of a fight, I think, later in August against Sean Brady. That Ooh. fight got postponed uh, from UFC 264. It would have been, in my opinion, fight of the night. Um, I, you know, I like 170 for Kevin Lee. I've talked to Kevin's coaches many a times, and uh, I've talked to Kevin a few times. Just the way his body is structured and kind of, you know, Kevin was so young when he was getting those title shots. And, you know, he, he's right there. Uh, but I kind of like a guy who has to go into a new division and rework, you know, himself. He's coming off of big, big surgeries, big injuries. You know, I, I think 170 is a spot for, for Kevin Lee. And I think he has to take the slow road because you can look at 170. Michael Chiesa is right there for a title shot. Leon Edwards is right there for a title shot. Colby Covington's going to get the rematch. I mean, there's so many names right there. Gilbert okay, Burns yeah. is working his way back up. So Kevin so, Lee's doing what, what Kevin Lee needs to do. But at lightweight, that's, that's pretty much where you're sitting at at the top there. You've got Islam Hooker. You've got Darius. You've got um, RDA. And then you've got Dustin and uh, Charles Oliveira. And then you've got Gaethje and Chandler, which should be a title eliminator. That should be the number one contender fight. This time next year, who is the lightweight champion in the world? Dustin Poirier. You think he beats Islam? I don't know that Islam gets a title shot. I think you're insane. That well, you wouldn't be the first. You wouldn't I, be the first. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think I, he, I could eventually see I, I could think, eventually see Islam fighting Michael Chandler, and and that would mean a loss or two for Chandler. Uh, you know, in between all this little mini tournament here that we're making up. But uh, I don't see – I don't see very many people beating Michael Chandler because I do think – we talked about a rookie, a rookie mistake for Kevin Lee when he fought Tony Ferguson. It's not a rookie mistake. It was a yeah. simple mistake. Yeah. It, was a, yeah, exactly. it, was a, it was a poor decision to, to let uh, Charles Oliveira up. A lapse of judgment. And, and not close the show against him. And Michael Chandler is our champion. And we probably have – one of the biggest lightweight title fights the UFC could put on, not named Conor McGregor, if we have Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. I think that is hands down early spring of 2022. That could be the best fight and the best case scenario for the UFC. Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, you, you, have, to, you have to assume at some point Conor will be back. And yeah. uh, either one of those guys – should be the only two options for Conor McGregor when he returns, Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. And you know the UFC is willing to give it to him. I, what I believe, to not bring Conor back into the conversation, I believe Conor comes back. We get the Nate Diaz trilogy. He wins. Who? Talks, talks his talks. His talk. Who wins? I said if Conor wins, he oh, talks if, his talk. If Conor wins, okay. If Conor wins, he talks his talk, gets his way into a title conversation. And if it's Chandler or if it's Poirier, 
we get it. And, and, and if Poirier's not the champ, we get the, the fourth fight. And, and, I, and then I don't know how much longer we get of Connor, but I think Where that's the best you? case scenario. I don't think Connor takes that fight. No, uh, I was actually watching a press conference. Um, it was an, an old press conference. I think it was during the uh, media scrum during the Cowboy fight. And they said that him and Justin were actually in talks to fight. And uh, it kind of fell through. And then Connor asked to fight somebody else. I don't think Connor wants that fight at all. Yeah, why would you? The man, the man is a, a walking zombie with world-class wrestling. I mean, Justin Gaethje is – and that's why I believe him and Chandler have to fight for the number one contender spot. And I do believe if, if Dustin gets the job done, which I believe he will, Chandler and Poirier could be one of the biggest fights the UFC can make that if you just write it down on paper, book it, pencil it, put it in Vegas, it doesn't matter, you know, crowd, no crowd – that thing will sell. Oh. I I will say, depending on how they build the card, you could you could you could sell that. You could potentially tell me that fight could do maybe a million buys, maybe. Wait, wait, Simply wait, wait, because Dustin which, Poirier is now the Conor McGregor killer. So Dustin Poirier versus who? Michael Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, I think it'd do at least a million. Uh, I mean, well, you got to look. You know, some of Israel Adesanya, and I think he's a, a huge superstar. In the sport, he's sure. doing 600, he's, he's a worldwide superstar, you know. What yeah, I mean? and, and, and but he's doing 650, 700. He's getting close, but he's not cracking that one million. So That's I think they crazy. built that card, but but I think it's about branding these guys as who they are. I think it's if Chandler and Gaethje fight, you got to brand Michael Chandler as a guy who beat Justin Gaethje, a guy with world class wrestling on both sides. You have to put Dustin Poirier in there as a guy who's beat Conor McGregor back to back and then went on and got the title. Max you, Holloway you know, if, twice. If, if, if he does, if he does, you know, they have to build these guys up right. And you know, it's un, it's unfortunate, but you look at how they've done business of late, they're making their money so they're they don't need to sell to the fans. Yeah. They don't need to sell serial gone Derek Lewis. They did that for Houston. Of course. Exactly. You know why? Because they have a partnership with Toyota Center. So yeah, there's okay. their money. Yeah, he would, say, he, would, he would say in the press conference, like, oh, oh, favor to uh, Fertitta down here. And uh, they helped me during the pandemic. So I, I figured I'd pay him back. It's like, man, come on. Like, this is so shady. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's right there. And then, you know, I've had this I've had this beef for a long time. Still don't market Amanda Nunes. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I get it. She's cleaning everyone out. At some point, start treating her like you treated Ronda during her glory days. So, you it's, know, right right now, I think fight fans need to – you know, maybe it's a good thing, though. Maybe it's a good thing because maybe right now fight fans are getting what, what true hardcore fight fans want. If you look at the card this weekend, if you're a hardcore fan, the UFC Vegas 32, so banger of a card. Aspen Ladd is back, Darren Elkins, Mickey Gall. I mean, this is a banger card. Yeah, and, and it is. And you know what they've had to stop doing? For they free. had to stop selling us storylines. They they did. They stopped selling. The UFC stopped selling storylines and decided to just put on the the fights that fans want to see. And and you know what? You maybe you could sell this this and that right. But now they're selling like rematches and they're, and they're selling a reason to watch again. They're not selling Jorge Masvidal coming out from you know bare knuckle fighting and this and that. And mm. they're not they're not selling those anymore. 
they're not selling the the human element anymore. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to say that's where I believe my podcast comes in a little different because I do focus on the human element. But, yeah. you, you know, for right now, for what the UFC is doing, for what they are, they don't need to sell the human element. They're making plenty of money no matter who they put on any card. And uh, listen, I don't care what anybody says. You look at September, Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega should be fighting. Although I think Max Holloway beat Volkanovsky. Um, and Lauren Murphy has well-deserved the title shot against Valentina Shevchenko, no matter how great you think Bullet is. And she's great. So, you, you know, and then they, and then they sprinkle in what, what the fans and what they can sell. A 17-year-later rematch between Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler and Nate's big brother is back, right? Like, now they can no. do that human element. But then even after that, Curtis Blades versus Josina Rosenstroke. That right. is a fucking crazy card. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, they didn't need to, to put matchups together and then sell them to us anymore. They, they are now bringing in fights that we want to see. Yeah. But to your point and the, the blatant disrespect to Amanda Nunes to make her the co-main event of an interim title fight. Yeah. Blatant, blatant disrespect, but also no disrespect to Juliana Pena. There is going to be a fighter and I say this with respect on all sides, there is going to be a fighter who just wakes up on fight day and goes, I'm so sick of Amanda Nunes. Oh, I thought, and you, I want my belt. I thought you said, I'm so sick. I, I thought you said there's going to be a fight here. No, 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 no. Oh, no. I was excited for a minute, but no, 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 no. There, we're not, no, not going There's definitely going to be a fighter one day who just wakes up and decides that they're going to leave everything they absolutely have inside that cage against Amanda Nunes. And it's either going to cause Amanda to go to that, to that level that we've seen her go before or, or, or it may be the first time Amanda drops one of her belts and and maybe it's Juliana Pena. I don't know, but historically these championship runs are great. And Amanda's cleaning out two divisions, but she didn't need to prove herself to the UFC, but you know, and I'm hoping to talk to her coach Conan Silvera here before the fight, but you know, get his thoughts on it. And you, you know, at the end of the day, as well, you know, I think what fans, as as much as we want to be pissed off, they also have to realize Amanda accepted this fight. Yeah. Amanda accepted this fight. She accepted this slot. She accepted all of it. So why? She may not care. She may not care. So, do you know how much she's getting paid? I do not. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I, I try not to dive into that because there's so many there's there's only disclosed yeah. uh, purses that they stop disclosing uh, mm-hmm. in Nevada. And then we don't know just in general how much a fighter is making between sponsors and, you yeah. know, ad ads and all that. So Pay-per-view I have no idea. Things like that, of course. But uh, let's move to the 185s. I mean, I'm sorry, 170, 170, 170s, welterweights. You ready for the Leon Edwards show? How, how much time do I have to, to just praise okay, Leon so, Edwards? Okay, so before we get to Leon Edwards, let's – so has Kamaru and Colby been, uh, been booked yet? In Dana White's mind, it has been. They don't have a date and anything like that, but listen uh, – So what's going on there? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think there's a little reluctancy from Kamaru Usman. I'm, I've already beat this guy. I understand why um, he took it against uh, a crazy fight. Sure, but he broke his jaw and knocked him out. 
Uh, he didn't knock him out. He, he stopped him in, la- in with about 20 well, seconds left. TKO. Yeah. TKO. So, so I I completely agree. He finished the fight. He and I. I I'm, I'm I'm not saying it for my my. It's the best avenue. fight Usman's been in. Sure, but I'm saying what I've heard and what I'm getting the vibe of from Kamaru Usman and all his interviews and his meetings with the media. This is exactly what he's saying. I broke his jaw. I shut him up. And what has he done? He, I mean, what is what realistically has Colby done? He beat Tyron Woodley. Sure. I mean. I, I I mean I mean do we want to see him wrestle wrestle fuck Stephen Thompson for five rounds? I don't want to see that. Who Kamaru? Or no, Kobe? Uh, I'm talking about Kobe. I, I'd like to see him fight uh, Gilbert Burns. That's a great fight. <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I mean I, I, I think I, mean, I think they're both right there. They just I think I could see both of them holding out for the title shot. Sure, but at the end of the day, because Kobe talks, Kobe may get it. So but that leaves your guy. And again, I said, well, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. I don't care. Leon Edwards should stay right where he is and just wait. He should just wait. Uh, we're talking about a guy, I believe it's a nine fight win streak now. His last loss is to Kamaru Usman. And forgive me for if I sound like I'm coming off strong at the fans, the idiotic casuals who look at one punch landed by Nate Diaz in the fifth round and go, wow, Leon Edwards is not that good. You really need to go back and watch tape. You really need to go back and watch his fights. You really need to understand who Leon Edwards is. And maybe I'm biased. Maybe I'm biased because I've, I've followed and talked to Leon. And, and sure, the biggest payday for Leon right now is George Masvidal. I get that. But – Knowing what I know of Leon, that payday will come. It will come. Let me become a champion. You know, there, there used to be this thing of being a champion changes your life financially. Well, now they can just come up with these blockbuster fights to change your life financially. That's why Dustin took two Conor fights in a row. He's made, becoming... 20, he's made $20 million off two fights. Right. And that's, what, that's just what we know he's made. That, that's, um, that's that's like basically just all pay-per-view points. Right, right. So, so Leon, if you don't care about that, and I don't know that he necessarily cares about being a superstar, um, he cares about being a champion. And there's a difference there. Like, the, becoming a champion still changes your life. But it's the fighters who grind every single day and hold off for big fights and tell the UFC, I'm not fighting Hamza Shamayev. I'm waiting for a well-respected opponent and he gets one and then everyone undermines his performance in that fight. So I think the best fight to make, and even though this guy is coming off a loss, stylistically, for Leon Edwards and for the fans, Wonder Boy. But, but why is he taking three steps back? It, it's uh, Stephen Thompson because Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Boy just lost to Gilbert Burns. Wonder Boy is ranked one spot below Leon Edwards. Okay, so why is he taking a step back? What do you you what have you, the rankings in front of you. I'm guessing. Can you read me yeah. the ranking? Colby, Gilbert, Leon, Stephen, Michael Chiesa. Weird. That's so weird. It's almost like the UFC rankings, which in my opinion personally don't mean shit, um, have a guy who recently lost to the champion. And a guy who the UFC is pushing for a rematch with, and he lost to the champion, 
And then at three, there's a guy on a nine-fight win streak with one no contest. And his last loss was five years ago to the champion. I don't know. But when you compare those resumes, sure, the Colby fight was a great fight. But I'd be happier with just one flip. Just give me Leon at two, Gilbert at three. Sure, Gilbert just recently fought. Okay, so did Leon. Stop looking at one punch cracked by Nate Diaz as the end-all, be-all of Leon Edwards' title opportunity. It's crazy to me. I, I will forever stay. I will forever stay on this train until he gets it. Leon Edwards deserves his title shot. Don't rob the UFC fans of a fight like they did at lightweight between Habib and Tony. That could have been a barn burner of a fight. I'm not saying that both these guys are, are the same exact fight that Habib and Tony would have been, but Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman, he wants a new challenge. He wants this. He wants that. If Kamar Usman is holding on to a win over Leon Edwards from five plus years ago, it's time to wake up because Leon Edwards has changed as a fighter. All it takes is the guy at lightweight to show you seven years can change a lot. Five years can change a lot. Misha Tate was gone for five years. She looked incredible in her return. Kamar Usman can't hold on to that win against Leon forever. He's going to have to see Leon Edwards one day. He will. So it's uh, 185 now. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker is booked, right? It's not booked yet. I think they're waiting on Rob. Um, Rob looked great in his last fight. He did. He looked like his uh, past three fights. He he looked well. This one he looked rejuvenated. He looked re rebuilt, kind he, of. Who he fought? Um, Gaslam, right? Um, beat him in five, not, beat him 50-45, Whoever he fought. I believe – well, he looked incredible, whoever it was. Um, but Robert Whitaker will be the fight. I still think at some point Izzy wants to fight Jared Cannonier, and he'll have to work work his way to that. But sure. He wants to fight Jared Cannonier, and he also wants to fight Darren Till. Yeah. So, I think – I think, honestly – I think both of, those guys, both those guys are one win away from a title shot. Yeah, Darren's got to come back strong, though. I mean, Darren needs Darren needs a, a, a an incredible showing in his next two fights, I would say, in order to get back there. Yeah. Because um, I, I love star. Darren Till; he's one of my favorite personalities in the in the sport. But when you look at what Darren Till really has done, if you look at on paper, if you look at his resume of late finishes, no finishes, Darren Till needs to get back to being a killer he need he needs to get back to that he's not that right now no and uh what, what would you attribute that to partially lack of inactivity or, or lack of uh, or i should say inactivity right lack lack of uh activity i should say um i would say that i also want to you know see where is Where's Darren's head at? And yeah, his last Whitaker's last fight was Kelvin Gaslam. You know, he he did look good. Darren Till did against Robert Whitaker. I know there was an injury in that fight, but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to stay active and he's got to stay consistent. He he's got and he's got and he's got to look for kill shots. He's got to look to put people away. That's how Darren Till started to brand himself and mold himself. He's got to get back to that. How do you like this fight right here? Paulo Costa versus Darren Till. I'm in. I'm all the way in. And all if right. he goes in and cleans out Paula Costa, kind of shot. now we're talking. 
I know, I know. I've, I've seen here recently. You have Sean Taylor. Seen here recently. He might fight Derek Brunson in Two. September. Darren Till. Darren Till. I think that's look. We're talking about a guy who's lost three of his last four. Right. Man, he's got. Imagine. Yeah, he's got losses to Whitaker, Masvidal, and Woodley. His last win came against Gaslam in a split decision, and before that was Wonder Boy in Liverpool. So yeah. and the you know, Wonder Boy won that fight. One, I will, I will stand on every single rooftop in America and scream. And I'll, I'll fly to fucking Stockholm, Sweden, and sit on their rooftops and scream that Wonder Boy won that fight. Well, here, here's the case I'm making here about Darren Till. She hasn't had a finish in four years, so. True. Derek Brunson is the perfect guy for him to fight. And then I would look at a Paula Costa. I would look at a Marvin Vittori. It's probably going to take Darren Till a few fights to get into the title conversation. Darren but, uh, Till and I'm, Marvin Vittori would be disgusting. Yeah, I'm down for that. If, if, if Till fights Brunson, I would love to see him fight Marvin Vittori next. See, I just think Darren Till's a big enough name to just uh, one big win, and I think he's going to get the title shot. And just because, only because it, um, the stylistic matchup with Izzy. I get what you're saying, and and we are almost close to the uh, to the point where Izzy can just pick any opponent he wants, and the UFC will make that fight. But it's got to make sense. It's yeah. got to make sense. And, yeah, not and, really. Yeah, to so, a point. Some of the time. To a point, because yeah, you can get the bigger name. You can get the more. Uh, celebrity name, which I think Darren Till is, but stylistically, there are other matchups for Adesanya that makes sense right now. And Whitaker, we'll we'll start with Whitaker, and then we'll kind of go from there. But you know, Whitaker is, is definitely a guy that we need to see him uh, fight again. And if he puts him away, then maybe then maybe we are at that point where Izzy picks who he wants to fight. I think he's pretty close to that point. I think he's pretty close to being one of those two or three guys who can pick when and who and where they fight. Uh, so let's move on to 185. Yuri Prohaska is going to be the champion in, what, six months? Eight months? We'll see, man. We'll see. That light heavyweight division. Dude, that spinning some, uh, elbow was, was disgusting. One of the best knockouts I've ever seen. However. Jesus. You know, Jan Blahovic and Glover Teixeira will do uh, will do Rumble, and you know they'll the, the title will be on the line, and we'll see what comes of that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know what to make of the light heavyweight division. I am a big fan of Yuri, but um, you know, for for Jan, I think Paul Craig is coming up. I like I love me some Paul Craig. I Ooh. love me some Paul Craig, but Mag- uh, Magomed, Uncle Love. He's a motherfucker. Anthony Smith has been – he's had a resurgence. Yeah, I, I love when people sleep on Anthony Smith. It's actually yeah. one of my favorite pastimes. They try to put um, him as a gatekeeper, and it never works. No, it doesn't um, because you're, you're trying to do that to a guy who's fought his entire life to, to basically say F you to everybody, and that's, who, and that's who Anthony Smith is. You cut me once, I'll fight my way back. You think I can't beat this guy? I'll beat him. So on and so forth. And, uh, you know, we don't have a, a light heavyweight title fight until October. So, I, Ooh. you know, right now we got to pump the brakes a little bit 
on matchmaking the top of the division because really nothing can happen until this title fight. And uh, you know what? They're slow playing it. And they, they right now they probably have to. Um, sure, you could have a Yuri fight again, but you don't want to put too many people in risky, you know, right. fights. I think Alexander Rockich and, and Yuri is the fight to make right now. Um, you still got Tiago Santos, Tiago Santos, Anthony Smith at light heavyweight. You can sign me up for that. If you Tiago, know what I mean? If Tiago Santos does blow out his leg in that first round against John Jones, who knows, man? Or was it his arm? Yeah. Uh, no, it was actually, I believe, both his legs. <sighs> who knows? Yeah. Who yeah. Knows? So, you know, for me, I, you know, I just look at it and I just think. And actually, um, I actually rewatched the Jones and Reyes fight. I think Reyes may have won that fight. Yeah, there's a good argument for that. Without a doubt, there's a good argument for that. But uh, I think John for right sure now, won four and five. But yeah, I haven't gone back and watched it in a while. But there's there's definitely always been a conversation about that. So we don't have a lot of time left. Let's move on to heavyweight. So uh, for some godforsaken reason of just of course they were in Houston, they decided to make it. Uh, they created a fake title, interim title. Derek Lewis versus Surreal Gone. Surreal Gone is uh, he's a menace. He's <laughs> He's a 265-pound man who moves like a cheetah. He is. And uh, Serial Gan, a lot of people I talk to in this sport believe he will one day be a champion. And uh, it's hard to disagree with them on that. But, uh, look, I don't know any more blatant disrespect to a former champion than what Steve Miocic is going through. Um, uh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. I mean, so, I mean, listen, Derek Lewis deserves, deserves a title shot. He does. I, I will say that. He deserves a title shot. He is sleeping people left and right. Derek Lewis is good for the UFC. And when you're good for the UFC, you get treated good by the UFC. Um, Serial Gan, you know, that's another guy. That's another guy who he, he's bringing in a whole new market, just like Francis was when he was coming up. And, uh, you know, you may not get someone to say it on the record, but maybe a Serial Gan, Francis Ngannou, former teammates, one leaves and comes to the States, one stays home and stays with the original coach, as Gan has done. There were Ferdinand Lopez. That's a story that goes back to that human element that goes back to building, building guys differently, how they did in that 2016, 17, 18, 19, really right before ESPN took over. It's how the UFC was selling these guys. And I think, you know, you, you may find a few people inside the UFC who want to see a Ghan and, and a Francis Ngannou fight one day. But then where does that leave a, a Stipe? Where does that leave a Stipe? You made a great point. I think a great, a great matchup would have been Stipe versus um, Derek Lewis this weekend. And, um, you know, put because, put, I mean, has Surreal gone, fought enough big-name guys to deserve, you know, an interim title shot? I, I mean, you can say I don't has, know necessarily if it's uh, big-name guys that he's fought. I do believe it is the, the performances that he's yeah. putting on. It's like against Rosenstruck. Like, come on, man. Well, there, there's something about – finishing guys and putting them out and making highlight reels. And then there's something about just winning every single fight that's put in front of you and, and not looking hurt, yeah. not looking battle-tested. And Gon has basically showed up and been an, a high honor student for every test that, that the UFC has thrown at him. And so now they're rewarding him. You know, he, he, made, he made high honors. Can he make the highest of honors with an interim title fight? Yeah, you know, 
And you actually miss one guy in there. And that is also known as the GOAT, uh, Jonathan Bones Jones. I didn't miss him. I just have no idea when he's fighting. So I can't really talk about a guy who I can't speculate his future. Now, now if the UFC wanted to do it right, I'd, be, I'd, I'd take everything back I said if, if they just booked Steve A and John Jones. Give me the greatest light heavyweight of all time against the greatest heavyweight of all time. Let Francis fight the loser, or excuse me, the winner of Gon and Lewis, and then the winner of Stipe Ooh. and John gets a title shot. You could make that like the triple interim. Yeah, you could, have, you could have three heavyweight belts. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy that they're literally sitting on a cash cow in the heavyweight division, and they just want to do it. Stipe deserves a big fight. He's he's had three against Daniel Cormier. He's had a couple against Francis. Yeah, and, and how while big they, were they? Well. Right now, the biggest one I would say the date for Stipe would be the first or probably the first fight against uh, the yeah, first and second the fight were fight. big. Yeah, the first and second fight. The first fight, probably the biggest one because it was International Fight Week. But uh, when you look at, you know, what they have, it's, you know, the third fight was during the pandemic. Um, the fight against Francis was again was in the pandemic. We're opening back up in this country, in this world, right? We're getting full crowds. John Jones, Stipe, big gate, big pay-per-view points. Give me that fight, and let's see who earns themselves a title shot after Francis fights the winner of Lewis and Gone. It's not hard. It, it's really not rocket science. It's not. And, uh, you know, Curtis Blades right up there as well, you know? The thing is with Curtis Blades, he has two or three losses in the UFC. Two or to Francis Ngannou, and one is from the nastiest uppercut I've ever seen in my life. That was from the worst takedown attempt I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, doesn't even bother me, and I'm not sure it bothers Curtis because Curtis isn't going to change who he is. I know no. that from many conversations. And, and honestly, Curtis has a big fight against Roji Strike, and I think Curtis waits around because if they finally you? make this fight against Stipe and John Jones, which should be the fight, John shouldn't walk in and get a title shot. I'm just going to say that. Um, if they make this fight, if Curtis can get past Rosenstrike, then Curtis can fight the loser of Gon and Lewis, or he can fight the loser of Stipe and John Jones. Either way, he's fighting one of the very best to ever step inside the cage, Stipe or John, or he's fighting someone who just fought for an interim belt, Lewis or Gon. And that's only if he can get past Rosenstrike and, uh, Curtis may, may get himself back into this conversation. Mikey P, thank you so much for joining us once again. Follow him on Twitter, MP2310, MP2310 on Twitter. Follow his podcast, On the Mic Pod, anywhere you get your podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle. Man, we appreciate you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Always love talking fights. Thanks, buddy.